Hello everybody, my name is Daniel Prince and I am the host of the Once Bitten podcast. This is a podcast focused on Bitcoin. It's my mission to interview as many people as I can around the different aspects of Bitcoin and help people understand exactly what Bitcoin could mean for them and for their families and for their future. I hope you enjoy the show. Thank you so much for listening. Hey guys, welcome to today's show and um, a fellow podcaster on the on the show today, uh, Brady Swenson from uh, Citizen Bitcoin Podcast, who uh, who's now working full time for Swan and um, does the Swan Signal Live podcasts as well, which you should definitely check out on Twitter if you get the chance, just to sit there and. I watched these guys riffing with the um, some incredible guests that they get on. Our recording was taking place just before he was going on to an interview with Preston Pish and um, Dr. Adam Back. I mean, like these are the guys that uh, that Swan are attracting and, and, and speaking with. They're doing amazing work, and uh, we we do get into that. Um, obviously, we meander through our our rabbit hole stories and whatever else uh, to begin with, but. We do get towards the end of the show, you know, what Swan is all about and what they're trying to do for Bitcoin. So definitely listen, and um, uh, I hope you enjoy the show. It was really great to sit down with uh, with Brady and um, yeah, and get into this. Um, now, before we start, let's uh, do a quick shout out to uh, to Coinfloor, Coinfloor.co.uk forward slash Bitten. Go and start your stacking journey. Go start earning some Sats. Just put a little bit aside each week and. Um, you know, think of yourself on the beach in 10 years' time, wherever you want to be, because uh, this is the easiest and at least riskiest way to start building the financial freedom that uh, we're all looking for. Enjoy the show, guys, and thank you so much for listening. Hey, guys, welcome to today's show. And with me is uh, Brady Swanson from Citizen Bitcoin Podcast and also representing Swan Bitcoin, which we're going to get into. Uh, Brady, thank you for coming on the show. Thanks for uh, taking the time today. Yeah, man. Been looking forward to this one. Thanks for having me. And uh, with me, as usual, is the sidekick, Lauren, who has uh, a question for Brady. What was it called? (laughs) What? The podcast. No, not the podcast. Um, Why do you do better podcasts? Then my dad. Well, that's the cheeky one. Uh, well, I'm glad you went with that one. That, that's very kind of you to uh, to say uh, to imply anyway that I have a good podcast. Really, it's just uh, fun for me. You know, uh, I, I don't consider myself a professional podcaster, although maybe I'm getting there. A hundred episodes close to now. It's really just experience, um, I guess, you know, just a lot of experience. And your dad is a f- fantastic. He's a natural, actually. So he came out of the gate super strong. And uh, I just I love all the Bitcoin content. You know, these all these guys uh, like your dad and everyone else who's doing podcasting and writing and stuff are just they're inspiring to me. It's why I decided to uh, to do this thing so I could talk to all these people. <laughs> Is that a good question? Uh, that's a good answer? Yeah. To a good question? Yeah. And do you have any more now? No. Let's think. Um, how old are you? You look really young. <laughs> oh, wow. You're, You're full just of compliments me all, tonight, the, all huh? over the place today. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am 41 years old. So, uh, 
Yeah, I'm 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 in, firmly into middle age now. I thought you were like in your twenties or something. <laughs> Jeez. Wow. It must be this Instagram filter I've got going. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks so much, Lauren, for kicking us off. I'm sure Brady's gonna be uh very fond of you for a long time. Do you wanna say, <laughs> sure. you wanna yeah. say good night? Thank you, Lauren. You made Bye. my day. And, um, Bye. Bye. Take care. Have, yeah, ha- have a great time. We will. And don't forget to bring up more beer in a minute. Yeah, just so the listeners are aware, uh, we are sharing a beer and um, appreciate the efforts. I know it's a little earlier in your part of town. It's it's no problem. (laughs) I appreciate the excuse. So, um, yeah, to to kind of um, pick up on where Lauren left off, um, you know, starting the podcast, um, what what were you doing like before? What was your nine to five or your, no one works nine to five anymore. Who are we kidding? What was your eight till seven then, laptop <laughs> right? on the laptop on the knees on the sofa whilst your you know your wife was watching TV and you were ignoring her answering emails? Fiat <laughs> job before. Yeah, that sounds familiar. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have always I've been working on the web for a long time twenty years, twenty plus years at this point. I mean, I started working in tech when I was sixteen, doing IT support stuff, uh, and then I got my first job as a webmaster, uh, which was a very uncommon title at that point um when i was 19 and so yeah it's been 22 23 years now uh so building building on the web for a long time into tech uh but i actually went through college uh with an with an english degree got an english degree because my dad really wanted me to finish college i wanted you know it had been his dream to like save up for my college and and put me through um graduation, which I respect. Uh, I wanted to leave and go work in tech in in Silicon Valley. (laughs) So I finished up. He's like, you got to get some degree. There was nothing I was learning in CS at that point in time because I was just working on the web. Um, So I I taught for a while, which was great. Um, It was, you know, good six, seven years. Uh, I was in the Peace Corps, taught there, came back and, and taught here at home. And really, really enjoyed it. Um, I I got to the point where I I kind of felt that that I had you know, walked that path uh, and explored that journey for a while and got back into the tech game. And yeah, that's what I've been doing for quite a while. I've been working from home for 15 years now, 14, 15 years. So that's what I was doing, just working for clients, uh, building on the web, running email marketing campaigns and um, doing education stuff, uh, teaching people how to do this, this thing. And then Bitcoin came along and just flipped everything upside down, as it usually does for a lot of us. Uh, and then, you know, just sucked all my attention away slowly over time. Uh, gradually, then suddenly, I guess, you, as Parker might say, I started the podcast. It was for a year. It was really tiny. It was just me and my, my buddy Tommy talking Bitcoin because uh, we were doing that anyway. We decided to start recording it. And then I felt like I had enough kind of had my my sea legs and decided it would be a decent time to start, you know, trying to make it into something uh, more, I guess, uh, you know, more useful to everyone else. So I started talking to people who knew a lot more about it than I did. And I really used it as a vehicle to learn. Um, So it's, it's been a ton of fun. It's been a couple of years uh, working on this thing and I just love it. Yeah, that's excellent, man. So, what what were you what were you teaching? And I, I want to ask you about the Peace Corps because that sounds like uh, mm-hmm. a really kind of um, well, huge respect for for doing something like that. Uh, you know, it's uh, what what were you teaching? And can you tell us a little bit like uh, about what you were doing for the Peace Corps? Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
it was really for me, it was like a, a way to get away from home. Uh, I, I had been around home. I went to college near home and just needed, I've, you know, I'd been itching to explore for a long time. I'd traveled in, in college and stuff, but I just wanted to really live and move away uh, for quite a while and live in a different culture. And so, you know, really for me, it was, it was a lot, I got a lot more out of it, I think, than I put into it. Uh, it was, I think it's an amazing program uh, that the United States government offers and, and people should definitely take advantage of it. Um, I taught English and reading in Guyana, South America, tiny little country just northeast of Brazil. There's three Guianas. There's a British one, which became Guyana uh, when it became independent about 40, 50 years ago now. And then there is Suriname, which was the Dutch uh, colony, and then French Guiana, which is actually still a state of France in some capacity. Um, just a couple million people, super tiny. Uh, and I lived on this little island in the delta of a huge river. It's like the second biggest river in South America called the Essequibo. And it's, you know, of course, after the Amazon. Uh, fascinating experience, man. Like the little island I was on is like a little farming island. Uh, 3,500 people, one high school. I taught in the high school or like three or four elementary schools. And yeah, English and reading. And we had a health club. So we did like you know, sexual health stuff and just like, um, you know, learning about how to be a, be a, you know, how to understand your emotions and deal with life and, you know, all that kind of just talking about life issues. Uh, and then we also had a basketball club and built a basketball court down there, which was a ton of fun. So friends and family raised money back home and sent it down and we bought a bunch of materials and all my basketball buddies down there, uh, pitched in their, their labor. And we built a basketball court from <laughs> without, you know, machinery, uh, just kind of manually from hand. It took about three weeks and that was so, so much fun, man. Great time. Yeah. Lots of great experiences there. And what was the, um, what is the, is Spanish the language there or? So I, I had asked to go to South America because I did, I wanted to become fluent in Spanish and I had studied it a bit. Um, but I ended up being placed in the only English speaking country in South America. So because it was a British colony, <laughs> they actually speak English. And culturally speaking, they're really a Caribbean country. Like they, they, uh, they're part of CARICOM, which is like the Caribbean Economic uh, Organization, and they have you know players on like the West Indies cricket team. It's you know things like that. So culturally, it's a it's a West Indies um, country. So you know we we uh, traveled around. We had friends. You know that we made friends in Guyana that had a lot of family in like Trinidad and Tobago, for instance, and, and Jamaica and Barbados and. So we got to travel around to some of those islands with, you know, with friends from Guyana uh, and, you know, stay with their family in these other places. So just really got to know the culture there. And it's just amazing. And I want to be back there someday. So I'd like to get a second home or retirement home somewhere in the, in the Caribbean and live, live the island life again. Yeah. And like those of us that visit, I'm sure many listeners have been to the Caribbean, but, um, you know, generally you rock up and it's an all-inclusive kind of resort and you... You're urged not to go out of the resort because it's dangerous out there, and you know it's uh, yeah. Stay inside and spend your money with us, and you know just flash your wristband mm -hmm. at the all-inclusive bar and all of that. And, but yes, you know, exactly. When you get outside, right, and um, like staying with the actual people on the island, like it must have given mm -hmm. you such a different perspective on it was, like coming straight from the states. Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it was. The, uh, you know, this, this bubble, the kind of Western world bubble is, is definitely real. Uh, and as you know, you've traveled a lot too that I, I've gathered and 
yeah, the feeling you just you know you're somewhere completely different, um, cultural norms completely different, sights, smells, tastes, uh, you know, just traditions, uh, the way people like interact with each other, the you know the, the social conventions of like you know, friendship versus acquaintance versus kind of family friend, like all of those kind of tiers of, of association between people are all different. Um, and yeah, it's, it's, it's fascinating. It really challenges, uh, you know, breaks you out of your comfort zone, really challenges you as a person, uh, makes you feel, I think more like more alive in a sense. Um, you know, especially at first when you're just kind of shocked on every front, uh, with, with change. And I think that that's really good for the human spirit, you know, and soul to, to go through that every once in a while. I think it's important to kind of break out of our, uh, routines and, and, uh, the worlds that we've sort of the, the perspectives we kind of, you know, built, built around us. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, that's, I, I'm in this sort of, um, you know, less transient era of my life right now, uh, kind of settled down with kids and we don't travel nearly as much as we used to. Uh, my wife and I were always going somewhere, you know, every couple months and we still travel with the kids, but it's different. Uh, and you know, as they get older, they're still pretty young as they get older, we're going to start doing more international travel. And something I've really interested to learn more about from you is, uh, this like concept of world schooling, traveling, traveling around with your kids and, and kind of homeschooling as you're traveling. Yeah, it's um, it's an amazing experience. It, it really is, and you know everything you just said. It just opens you up. Like once you get shocked, like sight, smell, sound, um, like every sense is awoken. Um, yeah, it humbles you immediately, right? When you're when you're out of your comfort zone and you're challenged and you're put in uh, a situation that you're not used to dealing with. But guess what? You wake up the next day and you're that little bit <laughs> stronger for that experience. That you, it, it's. It's amazing. And, you know, so like the concept of world schooling is um, if you were to go back to one of those islands, for example, um, the kids would get to to meet some of the locals that you might have already met and hear a completely different accent, a completely different language. Um, but they're also going to get opened up to like the history. You could just start explaining the history of like um, like the, the British um, colonization or wherever you are and then um you know and obviously the travel itself is geography it's just it's actually in your lap it's like really easy to to world school because there's always always yeah. always a chance to to learn about something it's like oh what's this dish that they're cooking for us tonight and why is this yeah. traditional you know it's yeah. uh it's mad yeah i urge anybody which to then do it. which then inspires you know then inspires you to learn too because your kids are going to ask you questions you don't know the answer to and you're like all right good question let's find out man <laughs> like somebody <laughs> i remember <laughs> i remember when we were doing this uh and i read a report somebody said like uh, on average you know it's like one of these classic like it, probably like uh, we get economists these days um you know on average children ask 400 questions a day i'm like the <laughs> fuck they do like you want to come and stay, you want to come and spend, whoever whoever wrote that report, you know, probably extrapolated after the first half hour and still right. shot really really low. You know? Yeah, yeah, ten x ten x that, uh, especially it, if you're absolutely. somewhere somewhere new, you know. Yeah. Oh man, yeah, it's just ridiculous. Uh, so, do you think then, like looking back, like um, all of these kind of experiences that you're going through through the Peace Corps, the people you're meeting, the situations you're being put in? 
was this like the ultimate primer for like you know when you did find the rabbit hole it, everything just kind of clicked a little bit quicker yeah i mean one thing that's really did make sense to me that helped helped i think my experience helped click a little bit faster than maybe it would have otherwise was the the value of bitcoin as like a global currency, right? A true global economy. Uh, because, you know, traveling, you, you really feel the friction of, um, you know, international currencies and, the convert, you know, conversion rates, et cetera. Um, it's just a mess. It's hard. And on top of that, I mean, most, all of these currencies are, you know, inflationary. And so I actually had a little bit of experience, you know, with that phenomenon, with monetary inflation, uh, not in Guyana because Guyana, the Guyanese dollar was pegged directly to the U S dollar, uh, always. And, but, uh, you know, Venezuela was right next door and Venezuela's, you know, been dealing with inflation problems for decades. Uh, and so, you know, we had, we had also made friends with people in Venezuela and who would go back and forth and did business in Guyana and they would, they would, uh, you know, come stop through actually in a, in a nearby kind of like port village, port town and, and trade and, and do business. And uh, they were always really fun to hang out with. <laughs> um, and so we got a lot of stories and we talked to them, you know, as businessmen about uh, money in Venezuela. And, you know, that, that was really my first exposure to, um, you know, a non-global reserve currency because, you know, that's that's the, the world I grew up in uh, and that we are privileged by uh, here in the United States. And so kind of understanding that privilege, um, you know, obviously there's other privileges too, but I think maybe the, the most important in, in terms of like influence is, uh, is the fact that we, you know, have the world reserve currency. So there's a lot of, uh, you know, that, that cancel on effect applies not just on a national level, but also internationally, you know, we're closest to the, the money spigot. So the United States has a lot of advantage and can leverage that. Um, so yeah, I'm definitely on that front. Uh, and I think, you know, generally being open to uh, having my worldview changed, you know, because uh, Bitcoin radically changed my worldview, uh, you know, pretty, pretty quickly. So just being open to like that happening and not resisting it once, uh, once that sort of that spark, that initial tumble happened, I just really embraced it, I think, because I, I, I kind of like having my worldview, you know, rocked back and forth a little bit. It's, it's, it's a fun experience, actually. I enjoy it. Yeah. It's it's strange you bring that up because this is something I've been thinking about a lot. It's um, you know, why why is it so difficult to get people to understand um when, when you're talking to like just your friends or your family and um you know you're trying to explain it and it, it, what what I think what I what I've come to like realize is that yes, you're an open-minded person and you like having your fixed um beliefs challenged. I do too. Um you know the four-hour work week unlocked me on that and that's why i just quit my career and that was right off we go and you know i haven't looked back since but talking to people about money which is always very very difficult thing to do because it's a very very personal thing and um and then trying to wake them up to the fact that we've all been lied to like on a massive scale and tricked and conned and had over, you know, however you want to, you know, people hate that, right? They hate that feeling of being tricked that they, they, they yeah. never want to, they never want to own up to the fact that they, you know, they got conned by anyone, yep. by anything. Yeah. Like, you right. know, they don't want to own up to being conned by the secondhand car dealer. 
let alone like our whole financial monetary system. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's a big one. It's a big one. And, you know, that's why that, that, that phrase default Keynesian, default Keynesianism, I just kind of, when I happened upon, I was trying to describe that phenomenon, right? Like, hmm. How could, like, why was I thinking about this, about everything this way? Why is everyone just assuming that this is the way money is? Um, when you, when Bitcoin starts teaching what money really is, you realize that this is an aberration in history right here. The, the fact that we're being absolutely bamboozled and being robbed, blind of our time and productivity mm-hmm. um, is mostly an aberration. I mean, it's happened over and over in history. You, you learn the cycle that, you know, if, if a money can be controlled, it will be controlled um, because it's so powerful to do so. But the natural state of money is that it is, you know, the, the soundest money, like the market will find it, right? The most saleable good would become that that's, you know, something like gold. It persists. Uh, it's, it's durable. It's, uh, you know, has a low uh, inflation rates. Um, so it holds value over time. And, we understand that intuitively. The market sort of manifests the, the best money uh, naturally. And yeah, so it, it, this pendulum kind of swing, swings back and forth. Um, but we had been in this you know, kind of era, this fiat age, since kind of started um, you know, definitively in 1913 with the creation of the Federal Reserve and then confiscation of gold by Roosevelt's uh, Executive Order 6102. And then you know, the separation of the dollar from the gold standard in 1971, which, you know, you know, all of these things are like, or temporary measures, not, I guess not the Federal Reserve, but like 1971 is definitely a temporary measure, quote unquote. Um, and generations, right? I mean, I was born in 1979. So uh, even my parents' generation, you know, we were kind of headed toward that in that direction. But I was, you know, one of the, in, in the first kind of few years after the end of the gold standard in the US dollar, the beginning of the de facto fiat age. And so we have now, you know, anybody who's under, you know, upper 40s, like in their 40s or, or younger, has known no different money um, at all. And, you know, I would argue that every human alive right now uh, has been living in the fiat age because we're, we're there. Um, it just really the the dollar the gold standard at that point in time was just like kind of like a it was a just a farce really it was just kind of by name only um so yeah i i think you know <laughs> it is an utter brainwashing almost uh we just don't know any different and it has been reinforced by this like academic tradition of keynesian economics that gives this sort of like intellectual defense you know and then you know, you look to authorities or experts uh, in in that domain to try to understand what's going on, and everyone's just being told that you know these really smart people who win Nobel prizes and are your professors and doctors and have all these app, you know uh, appellations uh, are know what's going on, right? They understand it. You don't. It's too complex. Just trust us. We got this. <laughs> you know, uh, but money's very simple. And yes, it is a frustrating feeling uh, to have sort of stumbled on this truth and still have everyone around you um, doubt you and laugh at you and mock you uh, for being part of this like, you know, Bitcoin Ponzi scheme. They're, you're the one that's brainwashed, you know, not not me. Um, I know what's right. So it's definitely a frustrating experience and it's the state of affairs now for Bitcoiners, but I hope not for too long. Like we... we um, I think we see the uh, the truth of, of sound money, the knowledge of it being being spread uh, more and more. So I'm encouraged by that.
You're right. People, you know, the, the marketplace will find the the true money, right? And um, yeah, it, it's just inevitable that that people are going to gravitate towards the soundest money and something that we've never, ever, ever seen in history. And it's happening. What blows my mind? It's happening right now on our watch. For whatever reason, I was woken up to it, and I don't know why. And I just feel so humbled by that and, and privileged to watch this and study this at the point of turn very few people get that opportunity in history to do like with, with anything you know it's so uh, it's um yeah it's it's very uh, it's really incredible well i just want to take you back to um executive order 6102 and yeah. delve into that for some of the listeners that might be listening that you know certainly out of europe might not have known uh, exactly what mm-hmm. that was about could you just explain um you know what what that was and um yeah, how that how that went down and how that affected the um, well the economy. Yeah, I mean it. So I'm not an, an absolute expert in 6102. Uh, you know, I have a cursory understanding of it because of of Bitcoin, but I would love to go in and, and you know dive into it and study it more closely. But yeah, my summary, I guess, will suffice for now. Um, 6102 was an executive order issued by President Franklin Roosevelt uh, in 1933, um, and it was. You know, the text of the order uh, used the word hoarding. It was like forbidding the hoarding of gold um, within the continental United States. And basically it, you know, required the uh, giving up your gold to the, you know, your local bank, uh, your Federal Reserve Bank branch uh, in your region. And uh, you would be given, you know, paper in, in, uh, in return. And he pegged the value of gold to like double its market rate or something. So basically it was a way to kind of inflate the monetary base uh, two times. And, you know, this was done, you know, in the context of World War II, I mean, a massive, I'm not, sorry, not World War II, um, the Great Depression. So that was, that was kind of, uh, that was a sort of a precursor to the the Keynesian sort of school of, you know the money. The, the government should print money in a time of financial crisis to try to reduce the, you know, harms of a capitalist down cycle. And that's like the intention behind that idea. I think is genuine. It's it's you know good. Uh, it's we want to you know stem the suffering caused by the natural business cycles. But as we know now, as Bitcoiners. You know, it's just staving off uh, the inevitable and and, cre- and causing the future um, cycles, the crashes, to be just even worse, right? And you create this moral hazard that you you do it once, you got to do it again and again and again. Um, and then Keynes, actually, to his credit, you know, he was a much more reasonable person than the uh, kind of the policies of today that are named after him. He prescribed a countercycle measure so that you needed to raise interest rates and constrict the monetary supply when things are going well. And uh, that just doesn't happen very much. Like it just doesn't happen to the degree that, that the other, you know, the, the other, on the other cycle, right. The printing and the lowering of interest rates, Um, you know, politicians will try it everyone, you know, from time to time and and kind of rein things in, but it's never enough. And uh, it's much, it's much harder politically speaking to do that than to, you know, print a bunch of money in a time of crisis and raise the lower interest rates. Um, that's a very politically popular thing to do. Not very popular to, you know, raise interest rates and and burn money. Um, so, 
that's sort of the inevitable ends of the idea, right? And it started really in earnest there at 6102 and, um, you know, happened again in, in every financial crisis that we've been through since then for the most part and to absolute, you know, a, a very extreme degree in 2008 and, and we're just like blowing that out of the water now just <laughs> 10 years, 11 years later. So, yeah. Could you imagine like uh, it's, it's 1933 and you've, you've managed as a family to like um, come out of the Great Depression years. Um, okay. And you, you've, you know, you're sitting on the hordes of gold it might not even be much, right? But it's what you'd saved before you went into the depression and this is what's going to, you know, help you bring you back out. And then you pick up that morning's paper and you read that directive. Like it's now illegal for you to actually hold the gold that you have earned and you have stored throughout all of this like nightmarish poverty. You now have mm-hmm. to walk to your nearest bank and turn that in and we're going to give you some vouchers. <laughs> it's mind blowing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It is. I don't know. I mean, it's it's a little bit frightening how uh, seemingly easy it is to kind of get away with that sort of policy. Um, there's a lot of power uh, at the state centralized there. And it's, you know, money, like the word fiat means by decree in Latin uh, or make it so, let it be so. And uh, it's money that is uh, made valuable by force, by the threat of force, because ultimately, uh, you know, the the government, you know, mandates that taxes be paid in this currency. And if you don't pay your taxes with this currency, then, you know, you're going to go to jail or worse. Um, you know, that's in a country with a, with a good justice system. (laughs) So, um, you know, we're going to take you away from your family or, you know, a lot worse in other parts of the world. Um, so yeah, I mean, if you, if you look at what actually like backs fiat money, it's sort of the sinister, um, force behind it, this power, this will to power, you know, and I've been exploring this idea, you know, the will to power versus the will to empower uh, a bit, uh, working on a piece that's been sidelined for too long. And I really want to have time to dive back into it. I'm just going to have to make it happen like on a weekend or something. But mm-hmm. the idea is that, you know, that that fiat money is really the kind of manifestation of this idea of will to power. Uh, and I've been using, you know, with my English degree, I've kind of been going back and drawing this parallel to um Christopher Marlowe's uh, play uh, slash book called Faust. Um, and the character there is, is sort of the, um, the archetypal. It was actually the archetype for the deal with the devil, you know, story. Um, Faust literally makes a deal with the devil so that he can live this, you know, you know, very worldly successful life and, you know, his soul's given up in return. Um, and so it's the idea of we'll do anything to have power, Right. That's I want. I my will. My I'm going to exert this desire for power and at all intents and purposes for any in any way possible. Right? We'll do anything. Whereas Satoshi really is sort of the embodiment of this will to empower. Right? Satoshi did not have like took all ego out of the you know process of giving us Bitcoin by staying pseudonymous. Um, so I, you know, equate this in, in literature to the story of Prometheus, you know, the Greek mythology, he, uh, he took, uh, fire from, from the Greek gods and he was kind of a demigod and, and, and gave it to the, the humans and empowered the humans. Right. And for that, he was, you know, like sentenced to have his like guts eaten out by a vulture or something like that, like every day on the side of a mountain for the, you know, for all eternity. Uh, so it was just like this eternal torture, um, and yeah, so he gave he gave up his the re, you know his eternal soul uh, to empower uh, humanity. You you take a world that's built on a money that's 
backed by a will to power. And you think about a world that is backed by a money that's, that's, you know, naturally has this kind of will to empower. Right. And you can imagine there's the two different worlds that you're, you're talking about, right. You know, it's, it's a completely different way to live. And, if you have something like money that's sort of a base organizing force of society, then it just percolates out from there, kind of ground up and changes things. Um, so, yeah, I, I just I think it's uh, so encouraging, so beautiful, so hopeful um, that this Bitcoin renaissance that we're, you know, embark- like I think seeing emerge before us. And like like you said earlier, like it's a, it's an absolute honor. It's a privilege to be here and like kind of be able to watch it happen and understand it that it's happening while it is happening and it's not we're not far into it it's 11 years you know this is going to be a many decades centuries long kind of process i mean it's 140 years until the you know supply of the subsidy runs out um you know it's gonna it's just we're at the very beginning of it right now and there's you know battles ahead and but i think ultimately it's going to be amazing for our kids and our kids kids and that gives me a lot of hope i was pretty pessimistic uh, about the future before bitcoin yeah man that's a great point and um yeah perhaps we'll do like uh, a reunion show when we're 70 we're about the same age yeah, so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that would be great yeah. <laughs> but and look back and we'll look back at this show and, and um yeah i was gonna ask you about that like you can get Lauren to come on and, and tell me I'm, I look young again. Yeah. That'd be great. <laughs> <laughs> well, goodness knows what technologies we might have found by then, right? In True. In, in, True. in an empowered um, society, because True. I know listeners, but you know what 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 you've just laid out there. I've I've seen enough of this this side of the coin. Let's let's flip it over and let's see the other side. Let's see what happens. You know, I don't want to absolutely. I don't want to be flicking the news on. I I never do, but. Whenever you do, there's bad stuff happening. I mean, there's some really bad stuff happening in the States right now. And that's just like, man, like, you know, what is the root cause of these problems? And I think, like you said, I think we can all agree the root cause is is always money. Yeah. And if we if we have this fiat money and these huge divides, let's try something else. And if that's Bitcoin, well, why not? Humans are humans. There's always going to be suffering and drama and uh harm uh done to individuals and societies and uh, on large scales that's not gonna be you know completely fixed we're not bitcoin's not gonna create a utopia right but it will improve things so much (laughs) that it'll feel like it you know i think relatively because i i just you're right there's the root of so much societal ill um income inequality, uh, which is a massive problem, right? I mean, it's just the feeling that you get as a, as a member of a, of a society when your productivity is just being robbed from you constantly and you see yourself become more productive, more efficient over time, your skills develop, you're putting more out there into the economy and your wages, your compensation for that just is completely flat over for decades and decades. And that is a miserable feeling. It's a hopeless feeling. You know, whereas the top 1% or the 0.1% um, are just, you know, reveling in, in massive amounts of riches. I think I, I heard something the other day. I'm not going to get the number exactly right, but it doesn't matter. It's the the relative scale of it, you know, on the, the order of magnitude that matters. But it's like three people in the United States that own more wealth than like 50% of all the people in the United States. Three, three people, half the country, right? It's ridiculous. Now, if you 
I'm a capitalist. I'm a f- all for free markets, right? But that kind of wealth concentration doesn't happen naturally. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. Like it doesn't happen naturally. It doesn't. That's an unnatural. That's it's socialism for the rich, as Travis Kling puts it. I mean, I think that's that describes it perfectly. Um, so yeah, I mean, just you fix that problem, and the you know knock on effects of, of fixing that problem is, is massive. Like I can't really even you know imagine more than just a couple of lines down, you know, a couple of orders down. But I, I'm sure I feel confident that it would be incredible. The, just, just from that one change. Uh, so I think it'll feel, that's why I, I, it's going to feel like a Renaissance. It's going to feel like a golden age that we're coming, you know, coming out of a dark age and, and into this, you know, world of fantastic art and architecture and, and science and, and just kind of, uh, the next step up for humanity, right? The next kind of leg of our evolution as a society. So, yeah, I think it's going to feel like a utopia. <laughs> it won't be. Yeah, I know. And it's great to hear you talk that way because so many people always, I mean, it's again, it's just the human nature to um, fixate on, you know, what's going to go wrong, right? This this dystopia that awaits us. Um, yeah. Yeah, I prefer you'll take, I'll take the, uh, <laughs> I'll take the good times. Um, hey, I was there, man. I was there before Bitcoin. I was there. I was, you know, I'd given up on the idea that we'd ever have privacy again. I had, you know, resigned myself to uh, this sort of the statist future uh, where I had very little control in determining my future. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I had really kind of opted out, like, you know, become so apathetic that I, you know, didn't see any potential to kind of change or right the wrongs that I was seeing in the world through the political system. Uh, so I had sort of resigned, uh, from all that stuff and was just like, all right, I'm going to do my thing and I'm going to be with my family and my friends and make the best of it. Um, because I can't, I can't change it. It's too much. Too, it's too big. I'm, I'm, you know, it's not possible. So I think that that's kind of the world, the society that I, I know a lot of people, I mean, still feel that way, mm-hmm. obviously. Um, they haven't yet, you know, kind of discovered or understood that we have this, this hope, you know, in this technology. Uh, so yeah, I mean, I was there, man. I was there, and it's completely flipped. I, I'm literally a happier person because I know about Bitcoin. I and, and it's, I'm thankful for that. That was going to be one of my next questions. Like, you know, what's fundamentally changed you since, um, you know, falling down the rabbit hole? And um, I think you just answered it, but you know, go ahead if, the, yeah. if there's anything else. Well, yeah, I think the hope, you know, is is the the most influential factor, but also. Um, just understanding uh, value, money and, and long-term thinking like that money should represent your time um, and that you know, with a deflationary money or an asset-based money, uh, bearer asset, you know, you actually can hold the value of your time uh, and it will, that value will actually increase as time goes by. Um, and that makes me you know, value my time more. I mean, be much more cognizant of valuing my time, right? Um, you don't have to think about a future where you're constantly running this rat race and, and just, you know, shredding yourself, body, mind, and soul, you know, like trying to just keep paying your mortgage, you know, and, and your credit card debt and your, you know, medical bills and your school, college bills, all that stuff. Uh, you are able to like take a, like take a pause, do something that you're really interested in, hone your craft, follow your interests. And that's what the, you know, the Renaissance was. Uh, that's why we saw so much amazing, uh, just human ingenuity kind of explode, uh, was 
that people had time because they had, were able to kind of control their, the value, uh, the productivity that came out from just the, the advances of science, but also there was pretty good money during the Renaissance. Um, the, the gold standard was pretty solid you know, for, for quite a while. And uh, society and economy was able to build on top of that where people could work a lot less than they had to before, right? Which means you have free time and people who just want to, you know, chill will do that. And that's great. People, but humans tend to, you know, have some kind of fascination, right? And they'll pursue that writing or building or designing or whatever it is. And you'll have time to do that. Um, so, you know, you'll feel more fulfilled. You'll be more inspired. You'll be th therefore you'll be more productive. You'll have more self-respect. Um, you'll, because of all those things, probably be a kinder person in general, right? Because life isn't shit, you know, you're like feeling fulfilled. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's, I, I don't, we're not living in a Bitcoin world yet, but being able to understand that that's the way it should be, uh, has shifted my mindset and gives me hope, right? It comes back to that hope, but you know, I've become all of those things. Um, you know, I was a pretty low time preference person for the most part, especially before I had kids. Um, you know, kids sort of forced that upon you, uh, to some, to, to a certain extent, but yeah, uh, just being way more cognizant of spending. I just don't buy stuff that I don't need. I'm not a consumerist anymore. I'm not kind of like taken over or taken in by that charade anymore. Um, so yeah, I just literally, yeah, it's it's been a massive change for me as a person and extrapolating that out to a society of individuals, um, you know, just kind of reinforces that, that loop, that feedback loop of hope. <laughs> so I'm all jacked up on that now. You know, I'm just... Like, you know, I've been smiling this entire time because I love talking about it. It's just, it gets me excited. So this, I'm glad that we're doing this right before the, uh, the Preston Pish and Adam Back episode. Because I'm going to go in there just completely full of energy and be like, all right, guys, let's do this. Yeah. Um, this is great. <laughs> and a little tanked up. Or not, not much. No, no. I've only had a few sips. But... <laughs> So, Corey, when you're listening to this, I am not drinking on the job. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, what do you say about this? This, You know, we, we have people out there say, um, oh, you know, people have got to stop moaning. We've never had it as good as we've had it now. Um, you know, we, we've got this, this technology, that technology. Um, and I think, I, yeah, I spoke to Gnutz von Holm about this. And I'm like, you know, could you imagine where we would be if we had have just stayed on the gold standard. I mean, right. have you ever thought about that? Like, you know, like, the, oh, yeah. Like the unseen, right? You know, we, we yeah. can see what's in front of us and what has happened, but what, yes, what would, where would we be? Do you have any, any kind of idea? The alternative history. Well, it's fun to speculate about it. Obviously, we don't, can't know for sure, but, you know, if we apply what we think Bitcoin will do and everything we, we've been talking about to, to the past, then, you know, you'd have a hard money standard. And, you know, if let's just assume that it was able to be maintained strictly um, and gold didn't have its sort of centralization risks that we that we know it has, um, then, yeah, I mean, we'd combine this incredible advancement in, in technology, which is a massive deflationary force with a, you know, de deflationary or at least, you know, very stable money. Uh, and, you know, the, Jeff Booth, who I know you've talked to, and I'm actually just about to publish an episode that I did with him wrote The Price of Tomorrow, um, talks about how this you know, deflationary force of technology has really been a countervailing 
force against the mon monetary inflation, right? So if we didn't have the extreme um, deflationary force of, uh, of technology, exponential technologies, then we'd have seen, you know, much more inflation than we do, you know, consumer price inflation than we do today. And that's why we've, you know, seen part of the reason why we've seen, you know, inflation in, in consumer prices for like kind of non-tech services, right? Like, like education and homes, et cetera. Obviously, I think the majority of that is monetary premium flowing into scarce, truly scarce assets. But um, yeah, I would imagine that we'd have, uh, well, let's drop back to Keynes again real quick. And Jeff dropped this in, in our episode, a bit, this, little, this little nugget that Keynes actually kind of predicted that because of deflation and the increase in, in technology uh, and the deflationary forces that come from that, we would be, you know, these days working 10, 15 hours a week to make the wages that we, the income that we would need to sustain our, our lives. And that not only that, but our living standards would also have, you know, increased considerably too, um, you know, in 50, 100 years in the time frame he was looking at. So, you know, he was expecting that to happen, expecting that this, this to be the way that we were living. So I, I would imagine that we would be somewhere like that. We'd be only having to work to make income to pay the, to pay for our needs and wants, uh, 10, 15 hours a week. And the rest of the time we'd be able to pursue what we want to do, which would also for, for a lot of people produce income, you know? So yeah, I think we'd be in the place where I hope we'll be in, you know, 30 years because of Bitcoin. Yeah, it's mad. It's crazy. So you've been doing um, these podcasts uh, a lot longer than I have and been exposed to many more people than I have. Um, how, like, how do you, how do you find, like, you know, once you get off, I know how I feel, but like once you get off the call with some of these guys or gals, whoever you're lucky enough to speak with, you know, what, what, what's like the immediate, like, um, feeling after that? Oh man, almost like I was just talking about I'm, I'm I'm all jacked up, man. I just get I get excited. That's why I love to do these. I get excited. Uh and it's I always learn something, so I'm I'm, you know, excited to learn stuff. Uh and just fun to talk to people who are into this because I am too and in my day-to-day -day life, you know, I don't have any other Bitcoiners in my like meat space life. You know, it's all virtual. My Bitcoin world is all virtual. So it's just fun to meet up with people. You know, I, I, now I'm, I'm, you know, full-time Bitcoin, which is amazing. And I'm just feel absolutely privileged to, to be able to get up and work on this thing that I'm passionate about every day. So now, you know, I'm getting a lot more of it, you know, and now I'm just kind of permanently on like, uh, wow, just like on overload of like just Bitcoin, hope and excitement and and just fun and you know passion um it's very fulfilling and and so i, I still you know even though I'm, I'm doing this full time now i still feel that way you know i i uh walk out of this home office and and uh go and spend, enjoy spending time with my kids and feel just you know feel a sense of pride and uh that i'm here kind of working on this thing that i really believe in and uh, and hope for their future. So it's, yeah, it's a great feeling afterwards. I always enjoy it. And I look forward to them every time, you know, I was excited to get to talk to you today. And, you know, I, when it, like my reminder came up that it was an hour away, I was like, Oh, nice. Get to hang out and talk Bitcoin with Daniel. That's going to be fun. <laughs> you know? <laughs> so it's good. So how did the call come in? How did it all transpire to go, um, you know, from amateur kind of 
Bitcoin podcaster slash editor slash sound guy slash copywriter to, um, <laughs> you know, full-time swan and bam, shit, I just landed a job in Bitcoin. That's like... Yeah, uh, it's st- I'm still sort of like pinching myself or shaking my head a little bit at that. Um, and really, I mean, it's it's Corey, man. Corey Clipston, he... I. I sent an email asking if Give Bitcoin would like to sponsor my podcast. I was looking for the first podcast for, I'm sorry, the first sponsor for the podcast. And, you know, I have very, very stringent standards. I will only, you know, take money for the podcast from from Bitcoin-only companies with, you know, high integrity. And um, so that really, really limits the options, <laughs> you know. Uh, and... So yeah, I reached out to Corey and really loved what Give Bitcoin was doing, and, and knew that there was kind of a holiday push coming up, a launch push, and he responded r- pretty quickly. We hopped on the phone and, and really just kind of hit it off, and so we started. He started sponsoring the podcast, and then um, we talked about you know my work history and my experience uh, professionally, and he thought it was kind of a good fit for some needs um, for Give Bitcoin, and so I just started kind of on a month to month. Um, contract with Corey and just kind of try things out and see if it was a good fit on both sides. And, you know, we just, I love working with him. Uh, I think the feelings mutual, uh, you know, the team is great. Um, it's an amazing culture to work with, uh, you know, lots, very good balance between working really hard and being really efficient, but also, you know, recognizing that you have other parts of your life that you need to also prioritize and, and not get burned out. And if we're going to be in this thing for the long haul. So it's just a really healthy, great, positive working environment. Um, and that's how it happened. Yeah, I just, you know, it started with that email to Corey, which I'm really glad that, that I, you know, uh, sent that email and, 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 you know, inquired about that. And uh, yeah, so when, you know, when Swan, the you know, kind of the Swan vision came out, like, you know, Corey realized we needed to kind of pull the recurring purchase kind of feature out of Give and make it its own product, um, then we were kind of off to the races and I was like, Hey, you know, if you're, I would love to come on full time, uh, and, you know, make this, make this my, my career, you know, moving forward the next phase of my career. And, uh, it, you know, we had had good, a good experience up until then for, for a few months and we were both kind of like, yeah, let's do this. And so, uh, you know, big respect and, and thank you to, to Corey, uh, for making this opportunity possible. And had he been a listener of your show before, like you reached out? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, um, he definitely was. I mean, I don't, I don't know how often, but he, I know he's certainly a listener. And uh, you know, I mentioned, I remember mentioned kind of when we first talked that he really thought that the kind of the vibe of of the show um, and the goals of the show fit really well with Give. You know, because it's kind of a, a forward looking, optimistic, education oriented, you know, Bitcoin only podcast, and so it kind of fit really well with with the. Um, kind of brand identity and and goals that give was in now swan uh is pursuing you know so yeah i think it just turned out to be a great fit and now i've kind of been able to sort of move that kind of voice um into into swan and we have you know the voices of lots of incredible uh thoughtful um bitcoiners kind of behind the the swan brand now jan pritzker a co-founder cto author of Inventing Bitcoin, uh, amazing guy, um, Brecky von Bitcoin. Uh, he's, you know, a, like a meme god, meme master, a super creative thinker. Uh, it's just really fun to, to grok with him on different ideas and, 
and schemes and plans. And Corey's like just incredibly creative, comes up with like a thousand ideas a day. So it's, you know, our job to sort of pare them down and, and hone in <laughs> on the ones that are really, really winners. But he just throws so much out there uh, for us, creatively speaking. Uh, Brandon Quidham, amazing Bitcoiner, uh, amazing writer, the, the author of the Mycelium series. He's an email marketer. Um, a lot of experience there. Amazing to work with him. Guy Swan is, is doing some stuff with us on podcast outreach, trying to get us booked in, on podcasts like yours. Um, so it's an amazing squad. It's just it's all, all Bitcoiners. And we're just trying to, you know, do do exactly what Bitcoin Twitter has been trying to do. Basically, Bitcoin Twitter is our business model. You know, <laughs> meme this thing to the moon. We're here. We're working for Bitcoin, really. We're here to market Bitcoin. It's the best product ever made. And we're here to market it, you know. Yeah, that's awesome. And um, yeah, Corey, uh, great guy. Had him on the show uh, very early and really um, happy that uh, that they showed, both him and Jan showed interest in, in my podcast. Um, I don't know. I think they were like one of the first 10 or 12 people to, and, and they reached out and it was like, you know, wow. Yeah. Okay. This is, this is amazing. Um, so huge respect to what they're doing and what they've built at Swan, I think. It's an incredible company and yeah, Bitcoin only, uh, you know, what else is there? It's, um, and and do you want to tell people about, um, like your Wednesday, um, your Wednesday riffs on uh, live Twitter or Periscope? Cause I think they are, I always try and tune in. I think they're brilliant. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, um, before I get into that, I just because you know when you start listing off all of your like teammates and then you leave some people out, it feels bad. So I'm gonna just shout out everyone else too. Anders, uh, he's working on um, on uh, paid ad stuff. Amazing dude, lots of fun. We have a, a guy named Jorn in uh, Jorn Ruder in Germany, like amazing designer, uh, and a couple other guys on the coding side um, that sort of lay low but really make the magic happen. Matt Ruby is helping write our book called The Gift of Bitcoin. And uh, Robbie, who is, I, I got, he's like the most avid po- Bitcoin podcast listener that I know from Bitcoin Twitter. He listens to literally everything, <laughs> I think, and documents it in this amazing thread of all his favorite uh, episodes. Yeah. So he's come on and really helped us out. So yeah, an amazing team. I just wanted to make sure I got those guys' names in there. Um, so yeah, the uh, Wednesday show, it's usually on Wednesdays. It's on Thursday today. We had to postpone it a day. Um, for one of the guests and well we had originally scheduled it at like 6 p.m and turned out that that is 3 a.m for dr back in malta so he's <laughs> like he's like sometimes i'm known to be up at 3 a.m doing things but it is a little bit late for a podcast <laughs> like yeah so so he's doing it at midnight instead um today wow <laughs> uh it is it's called swan signal live the thing i really like about it is that we we pair up Bitcoiners. Um, so I think it's kind of unique in the space and that we do that on every episode and we get some unique pairings uh, put together. And it's, it's really the, I think the model is really, um, really good. And so I'm really excited about kind of finding out, finding great pairs of Bitcoiners to put together to play off each other and have really unique discussions and contribute something kind of, you know, new and unique to the, to the discuss, to the Bitcoin space. Um, uh, yeah. So that's called Swan Signal. You can find it at Swan Bitcoin. Twitter handle, it's always there. We also broadcast on YouTube, uh, Facebook, Twitch, and uh, and yeah. And then there's a podcast at swansignalpodcast.com. So that's you can always catch the recording of the audio there. So w- without giving any spoilers away, um, I'm sure you've got many tricks up your sleeve uh, with with Swan. Um, is there anything that you, you can't? like uh give give the listeners um something to look forward to with with what's going to happen next yeah i mean we're working on 
there's a lot of um, kind of irons in the fire right now. Like I said, where you know we have lots of ideas, and so the issue is trying to kind of hone down and focus on a handful of them, which I think we we've you know figured out. We've done a lot of kind of testing of of ideas, and I think we figured out sort of the the next kind of core uh, marketing pushes, I guess, for the uh, for Swan, which is our uh, our referrals program called Swan Force. And you can sign up at swanbitcoin.com slash enlist. And it's really cool. You'll get like a, a little banner up at the top of the page. Uh, and it'll have your, your picture and then a quote from you. And you can kind of introduce your the people you're referring to Swan. Or you can chill Bitcoin or, you know, you know put something up there that will kind of like transition them into, um, into the Swan app. And the offer is amazing. You'll get uh, a quarter point. 0.25% uh, of, of the fees that we charge, right? So our fees are already really tiny. Uh, we're, you know, like something like 60 to 80% uh, more affordable than Coinbase and 30 to 50% uh, more affordable than Cash App. So we're going to give a quarter point uh, from our take uh, to each referral. And that will last for every purchase, Bitcoin purchase your referral makes for three years, right? So you're just like set it like kind of like, Refer once and you get recurring revenue for up to three years. Uh, so it's an amazing deal. And again, like what we're hoping to do is really help build a kind of a, a marketing force for Bitcoin, right? Uh, our mission is to onboard 10 million Bitcoiners around the world. Right now we're in, you know, in the US and we're for the you know foreseeable future will be US only, but we want to onboard 10 million Bitcoiners in the United States. And that's the intransigent major- majority, sorry, intransigent minority that... Corey has written a blog about and talks about on, on his podcast, the idea that a small minority that demands uh, things be a certain way or demands, in this case, a, a specific kind of money, um, then sort of manifests that in the rest of the society because, you know, why not? Like, why resist? You know, uh, might as well just incorporate it because these people demand it. So the example that Taleb gives in his books and Corey always uses is, uh, is halal and kosher food, right? It's like a kind of a small minority that demands it based on, uh, you know, religious beliefs. And so food producers might just go ahead and, and produce food that's kosher and halal um, because everyone else doesn't really care. And so they might as well. So they can include that demographic. So we're doing that, uh, trying to build up that that uh, minority uh, so that, you know, Bitcoin just might as well be used at least alongside the U.S. dollar. Uh, and then, you know, that's sort of our Trojan horse in to uh, kind of replace the dollar as, as the global reserve currency. Um yeah, so that's that's the plan with Swan Force. Um, we also have a really cool initiative um, for employers and employees as an employee benefit. Employers can sign up to provide Swan as an employee benefit, and they'll pay your fees uh, as an employee to set aside a bit of your paycheck uh, every pay term to uh, buy Bitcoin. So uh, we're calling that Get Paid in Bitcoin, and we're working on that as well. Uh, and then finally, uh, we recently brought on Andy Edstrom, who in my list of uh, people on the team, I forgot to mention, uh, I think, hope that's the only one, but Andy is an amazing dude, super smart, wrote Why Buy Bitcoin. He's a financial advisor and he has come on as a head of institutional uh, is his title. And he's going to be working on building uh, an IRA product uh, and re- retirement account product, So you can buy Bitcoin with your retirement account tax-free. Uh, so those three things I think are, are kind of the next steps. Of course, we have a lot of like product features like uh, you know, we're rolling out uh, one-time buys, uh, which we're going to call Top Up Tuesdays or Top Ups. You can 
um, you know, do a one-time buy on top of your regular recurring plan. So that's uh, in the works and just user experience improvements, you know, that we want to get in place. Uh, now that we're sort of gro- growing out of the launch stage and um, trying to scale this thing, we want to make the user experience better. And we're getting tons of great feedback from our early adopters who we love extremely much, uh, very much. Thank you for, you know, trusting us and, and giving us lots of feedback uh, in these early stages to make the product better for everyone else who comes in down the road. I think you need like um, like like a Siri type thing, like uh, Swan, buy me twenty dollars <laughs> of Bitcoin. Okay, I will buy you zero point zero zero two one seven one satoshis. <laughs> you know, if you, if I you love just, that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but like, serious question here. Um, uh-huh. Again, this is something I've been thinking about recently and fleshing the idea out. Is the the dollar cost average? Uh, kind of phenomenon that's going on right now, and the companies that are getting built out around you know that specific way of investing um, because it's you know a really low barrier to entry, low risk, and a real nice way to start onboarding um, new people to the space, uh, which wasn't around three four years ago. Certainly not in the last bull run. You guys, I mean, your your uptake has been incredible, I think, I believe. You know, I've spoken to Corey a few times and like he's been blown away by like uh, the numbers that you guys are seeing. Um, yeah. Obviously, you, you can't give too much away about that, but growth is definitely on your side. Now, does that make you think that we are going to be creating through this service a whole new price floor for the price of Bitcoin? Absolutely. Yeah, I do. I like to call it the hodl floor. The hodl floor, okay. <laughs> uh, I, the hodl, the hodl floor. Yeah, the, the floor of hodlers who aren't, who just aren't going to sell in, yeah. in, you know, at any price in, you know, the, uh, the near term or the or the long term even. Um, you know, I think hodlers, you know, are you know either going to hold completely for like ten years, fifteen years plus, like a hundred percent of their Bitcoin and never and never sell, only accumulate. Or, you know, you, you might uh, take a little profits and, and, you know, enjoy, you know, use it to enjoy some some part of your life or buy a house or, you know, go on some vacations and travel and adventures, etc. But, you know, 90, 80, 90 percent of the Bitcoin is going to be held. Right. So that that person, those hodlers of last resorts, uh, as we accumulate more and more Bitcoin, that floor just kind of raises up. So you just won't go below it. It's impo- it will be impossible. So if there is, you know, uh, kind of a big crash again, like we have seen in, in these kind of couple of cycles, we've gone through these bull and bear cycles, uh, like three of them now. Um, if that happens again, you know, the, the floor will, will be higher, I think, this time around than it was in previous cycles because dollar cost averaging is is happening right on a regular basis and so it just that that just continues to happen in the background um and it's just constant buy pressure you know so yeah i think that's awesome um whether or not we see another big crash uh is is kind of up for debate i think um we may not i mean i'm hearing you know kind of people who are who like to enjoy the the speculation game about bitcoin price uh you know which is probably most of us uh <laughs> you know <laughs> to some degree anyway talk about how maybe there's you know some a chance of it gaining like escape velocity uh on this run because to the point where it's just not going to crash like that again like not 80 percent right um because it just the market cap grows so much in this cycle due to the external effects uh of printing a whole bunch of money uh due to the black swan of this of this that is this pandemic um 
So, you know, that might happen. Who knows? But if we kind of do see the sort of same cycle we've seen historically, yeah, I think that the, the floor will be higher because we're, DCA is, is more widely spread. And, you know, it's it being accepted as a, a the best way to accumulate Bitcoin and, you know, average out your cost basis. Um, so, yeah, swan and chill, man. We you Trading is it will drive you absolutely nuts, especially in this 24-7, absolutely savage Bitcoin, you know, market. Um, have fun if that's your thing. But... I would much rather a swan and chill. <laughs> you, you you need to add like a, a third a third little uh, saying onto that. I think uh, swan chill and shill with your um, swan chill and shill with the referral program. Yeah, it, yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> it's like, there you go. Swan, swan chill, chill and chill, chill, baby. I like it. Yeah. <laughs> All right. I'm gonna bring it. To, I'm gonna bring it. I'm gonna bring it to our next meeting. <laughs> All right. Get it in there. <laughs> Get some get Brecky <laughs> to do some nice um, like PDFs around that, and uh, yeah, you can you can blow Corey's mind with it. I love it. I love it. We'll surprise him. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know um, whether like um, you, you've thought about like the closing question that I I usually ask people around uh, if you could implant your knowledge, uh, everything that you've learned, and and how it's affected you uh, personally and changed you fundamentally. Um, since entering the rabbit hole and, um, you know, what, what Bitcoin means to you and how you see it shaping the future, if you could implant that knowledge into one person who would then go and share that message with their followers, who would that person be and why? Interesting. Um, wow. Okay, so the first person that just popped into my mind, and I actually had not thought about this um, <laughs> before I came on. I just didn't occur to me because just my brain has been going a thousand miles an hour on, on other things right uh, but right before we got on. So I'm fresh. The first thing that popped into my head was Joe Rogan um, because right. his platform is is massive, obviously, and he has so much like he doesn't he's not pigeonholed, right? He's not like one thing. He's somehow resisted labeling for the most part. Um, he he, he has people who listen to him from, you know, all walks of life and all like political labels and like whatever sort of labels you can apply people uh, to. And, and so I think he would be a great representative, both he has the platform and just kind of a really broad audience. Um, so I would love to hear, you know, to just like red pill Joe Rogan and then hear him on one of his like ranty shills at the top of his show, just like go off on, on, uh, you know, his whole audience and just like pass along that red pill. <laughs> I think that would be magical, man. I think that would be amazing for Bitcoin. He, he's the number one requested. That's like the top answer. Is it? Yeah. Wow. And well, yeah. like just this week, right? The $100 million um, Spotify deal, which you and I are probably next in line for, for, um, you know, taking our podcast solely onto that platform, Spotify. I don't know nice. if you're listening. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> 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 um but he, one of his ads is Cash App, right? He says Bitcoin in the first, he has like a seven minute ad reel. He says Bitcoin yeah. in that ad reel. He does. He does. He's so close. He's there. I know. I mean, he's, he's, had, Andre, he's had Andreas on four times. I mean, it's mm -hmm. been a long, it's been quite a while since he did, but he had Andreas on four times over about an 18 month period. Um, kind of in the rel relatively early, like the 300s, 400s, 500s, that kind of range of mm -hmm. the episodes, uh, number, episode number. Uh, you know, awesome. But he, he seemed to always kind of like finish with like, yeah, I just don't get it. You know, like, I'm just not sure about it. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't know. I just, he's close. He's close. Man. And he's had Satoshi himself on, right? Elon. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he's definitely, I, I always catch those episodes. That's must watch, must watch YouTube right there. 
Um, yeah, but absolutely. no, I think I think we'll be talking. I think I'll be talking to the real Satoshi in about an hour and a half. <laughs> no, you think so? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you know, I don't. It's it, it's been speculated about so much that I don't really feel bad speculating that he's Satoshi. I mean, I don't want to. I, I think it's important for Satoshi to stay pseudonymous, and I want to respect that. So I don't, yeah, I mean, for I the most part, say, I don't do like you, speculate about it. Do you ever want to know? Like, really? Yeah, I mean, I, I think if you really think about it, right? There's just like a handful of people it could be, right? I mean, it's it's not. I don't think it's someone that's completely unknown to the history uh, or like in the history of cypherpunks, right? Um, it's just there's too many of those ideas that were being talked about in that community that this per that Satoshi wouldn't have been, you know, a part of it in some way, shape, or form. Uh, so I just think there's really only a handful of people. Uh, I think there's probably a collaboration at least at some point. Um, it became a collaboration before it was made public. Um, so yeah, I think it's, you know, it's, uh, we, we should respect the, uh, the cypherpunk legends, you know, uh, but let's, you know, leave Satoshi be and let, and let Satoshi stay pseudonymous. Um, yeah, that's my take. It is fun to think about though. Yeah, it's, it, it is fun. I don't ever want to know. I, I don't, yeah, it's like, it's so much better this way. You know, like like we were saying before, it's something completely different, right? You name a company, you can generally name the CEO. I don't want, you know, I've I've lived that life. Uh, I I prefer this this whole new thing that's going on, and uh, yeah, um, I agree a hundred percent with exactly what you just said. So, Brady, man, it's been awesome speaking to you. I won't keep you any longer because I know you've got to go and prep for um, Preston and Adam for your swan signal is there anything um well first of all where can people come and find you um please tell them all about your podcast all about um if you've got a website or a twitter handle where where, where do you want people to come and find you yeah citizen bitcoin is um citizen bitcoin dot world is the where the podcast lives i'm at citizen bitcoin on twitter uh the swan signal podcast is swan signal podcast.com that's pretty pretty simple straightforward you should just definitely check it out i think it's worth you know adding to your bitcoin podcast rotation i think it's some good stuff um and then swanbitcoin.com you can go to swanbitcoin.com slash brady um in fact and get 10 bucks of bitcoin dropped into your account it'll be uh 30 days after your first purchase. So you set up a plan and you'll get uh, those $10 worth of sats. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that's it. Those are the three spots that you should check out. Really appreciate it, man. Is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with before we, uh, before we close this down? Just thanks for being here. You know, uh, I think you're doing something really important by being here and listening to podcasts like, like once bitten and, you know, carrying that, Bitcoin flame forward. I think this is a really, really important time for Bitcoin. Um, I think it's really our time to shine as Bitcoiners. I think we need to be cognizant of how we're presenting Bitcoin uh, to the rest of the world. You know, just be try to you know take the edge off in terms of like the kind of Bitcoiner ideals uh, and and bring new coiners in with. Um, you know, a more easy to understand pitch, you know, especially like don't dive into the tech weeds, send them to places that are relatively, you know, simple to onboard, uh, like Swan, you know, is one of the reasons why we're starting Swan is to be like a, an easy place uh, and that you can uh, get into Bitcoin and a place where Bitcoiners feel comfortable recommending their new coiner friends to and family to go to. So yeah, just, you know, um, be, be cognizant about how you're shilling. And I think you'll look back, you know, on this time in 20, 30 years and just you'd be full of pride 
that you were here and, and you were you know doing something to help bring about the Bitcoin renaissance that I think we'll be living in at that point. Love it, man. And agree with everything you just said. Brady, this has been so much fun. Um, it's been uh, it's been great hanging out with you. Um, you, know, like, you know, like I said at the beginning of the show, I've seen you so much on the Swan Signal. I've heard your voice so much. It's, it's just nice to actually, you know, sit down, uh, tech issues aside, and, uh, and, and have this conversation. And let's get another one in soon because um, this is great fun. Likewise, man. Absolutely. Uh, appreciate it. And yeah, I mean, we, we should... Uh, we should do it again offline too. Uh, we have um, been hanging out a little bit like once a month with some Bitcoiners and it's fun just to kind of hang out offline and lay back and get to know each other a little bit better outside of Bitcoin. You know what I mean? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Although I bet you still talk about Bitcoin. <laughs> oh, no, obviously, it always comes back to Bitcoin. Um, but yeah, we try. We try. Cool, man. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I'll be up for that. All right, cool. Ready? Have a great, uh, have a great evening, man. Take care. You too. Take care, man. Hey guys, thank you for listening. Thanks for taking the time out of your day today, um, morning or evening, whatever you're doing, and um, tuning into um, the podcast with uh, with Brady. It was um, it was a pleasure to to finally get to sit down and and get to know him a little better after listening to him um, on so many of his own podcasts and watching the Swan Signal live events unfold on Twitter. It was um, you know, it was great just to sit down head to head and. For those of you that are new and coming into the space um, and are on the edge of falling down the rabbit hole, give it another few months uh, because things will start happening to you. They'll just start unfolding. You'll start looking at the world differently. It all seems a bit heebie-jeebie when we, when we talk about this stuff on podcasts. Perhaps you've listened to some others as well. Um, but believe us, you know, stick with it. And then for those of you a little bit deeper in you, you you might understand you know when i say like you you meet you meet somebody somebody completely new a total stranger and they turn around and they say you know for whatever reason bitcoin comes up and there's this instant this instant like nod like, right okay i'm going to get on with this person doesn't matter where they come from doesn't matter their economic background, their religious background, their political background. We got something here that we can talk about because we understand it and we have common beliefs of what it could mean for, you know, for humanity going forward. Again, if you're new and uh, you're listening to this, it, you might think I'm talking some kind of crazy weird stuff, but um, this is an underlying emotion, an underlying feeling that every one of us has gone through that is already here and, um, you know, learning about Bitcoin. So I hope you enjoyed the show. Reach out to Brady uh, on Twitter and, uh, of course, bookmark his show. Go and listen to some of his episodes. He does a great job. And um, check the uh, the Swan Signal live. Uh, you know, make a note of that. Follow Swan on Twitter and make sure that you um, you catch one of these live shows because they're, they're ace. And Corey, you know, they're the CEO and co-founder of Swan. He he jumps in every now and then. So you get to see the actual, you know, one of the actual founders behind behind this company, which, by the way, if you're US-based, go check him out. Um, use, uh, use Corey's, uh, sorry, Brady's um, affiliate link. Uh, he said it was a swap Bitcoin, swanbitcoin.com forward slash Brady. And um, go start your stack and sats journey with those guys because... Like he said, you're a Bitcoin-only company, 
founded by Bitcoin only guys and building a team of Bitcoin only team. I mean, the focus is 100%. And I think what they're doing is incredible work. And, and I hope they can expand outside of the US, but, um, you know, slow steps and um, they'll nail it first there. And uh, and then hopefully they'll, they'll be able to expand. So thanks for listening, guys. Um, reach out whenever you can, um, however you can, um, whether that's on uh, Twitter, you know, throw out a retweet or a share or a like or, you know, the DMs are open. Appreciating all the messages. Thank you so much. And uh, yeah. Have a great, uh, have a great uh, morning, afternoon, or evening, wherever you are in the world. And as always, thank you for listening.